Okay. All right, if you have a Bible, uh, uh, this old paper kind of Bible, uh, please open it to Psalm 23. If you have the, your Bible on the phone, please open it to Psalm 23. <laughs> if you have it on your phone, open to a different place. Yeah. Um, one of the most beloved passages of the Bible, perhaps one of the best-known um, passages, for sure, of the Old Testament, uh, and other than maybe the Lord's Prayer, uh, this is one of the best-known passages of Scripture. I knew this passage, uh, part of it anyway, um, be- long before I became a believer. Uh, they read this at my grandfather's funeral, um, not that he had uh, lived a godly life or uh, followed Christ, uh, to my knowledge anyway, um, uh, definitely not in his early days, but they read this at my grandfather's funeral, first time I heard it, and then there was a, in the 70s, shortly after that, I was 12 when I first heard it, then shortly after that, there was a poster made of this, a part of this passage that said, and may, I don't, I don't, I haven't seen this for years, but it said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because I am the meanest blankety blank in the valley. And it was like, ha ha, we thought it was funny. And, you know, being in, from a non-Christian home, it was up in our basement. Uh, and then I got saved and I would walk past that thing. And <laughs> after I came to know who Christ was, I took it down one time, folded it up, and stuck it in a little drawer somewhere without asking my dad. And I figured he would understand, and I don't know that he did. He found it, and he kind of, you know, took it out, but he didn't put it back up out of respect for his son's newfound faith. But let's read the real thing, what it actually says. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for You are with me. Your rod and Your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God, bless the reading of your word. And I pray you'd plant this word in our hearts today, God. And use it to bring about the desired transformation in us in Jesus' name. Um, As I say, this is... a. How many have ever heard at least part of this passage before? A line or two, okay? Most. Um, This idea of what that poster said, I fear no evil because I'm this or that. I'm the meanest, you know, loser in the valley, is pretty much exactly the opposite of what the psalmist is actually saying. He's saying, I don't fear any evil, not because of anything that I am, but because of the first line. Who 
who's watching over me. I, as I've been praying this passage for the last uh, couple of weeks, I, I keep thinking, it doesn't say it in here, but these words, you're watching over me. Because that's what a shepherd uh, does. He watches over his sheep. And he, if he sees a danger coming, he intervenes. He steps in. He, he takes care of the sheep. And part of the idea of the Lord being David's shepherd, I think it's an interesting thing. He never uses the word trust. But this cluster of psalms in the 20s, uh, Psalm 20, Psalm 22, Psalm 23, Psalm 27, several of them right there all have to do with trust. I'm, uh, and that phrase ends up in, well, the word trust is in the psalms about 60 times. Many, many of those have this phrase, I trust in the Lord, or I trust in you, or I put my trust in you. Again and again and again, and here's David, who knew what a shepherd was. He was a shepherd before he was a warrior king. He was a shepherd. He knew what it was like. It says a bear came, he killed it. A lion came to get the sheep, he killed it. This guy, he he knew how to face the challenges and how to keep the sheep safe how to watch out for them, how to make sure they were well fed. So here's a shepherd saying, the the Lord is my shepherd. He's watching over me. He's taking care of me. I trust in him because he doesn't just look at the sheep as an investment. It's when you read this, the kind of language, there's care in it. He really cares about those sheep. He, he, and that's in, in the New Testament, you see it where Jesus says in John chapter 10, I am the good shepherd. Yeah. The, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He's willing to, to, uh, as Serena was talking earlier, or as somebody was talking about losing your, or Brenda was saying, losing your life for the king. It's like Jesus has done that for us. He was willing to take it, you know the expression, he took it on the chin for me, or somebody took the fall for me. Jesus took it ultimately. Like holding nothing back, he took it all for me, for you. He did it. So here's this good shepherd, and he really cares for the sheep, not just a bit. He'll pay the ultimate price for these sheep. It's There's... I'm not just trusting him because he's able. I'm trusting him because he cares. He really cares. That's a, that changes the complexion of the thing a little, doesn't it? He actually cares about us. It's not just an obligation. Now, as I say, the word trust doesn't even appear in this psalm. But the force of that concept is all the way through. He's trusting in the skillful, wise, able, good, caring shepherd who is watching over him. And in that, he's secure. He's secure. You go ahead a few psalms in Psalm 27. It says, you know, he says, you know, I have the Lord. Of whom shall I be afraid? Who am I going to fear if, if I've got him in my life? I trust him. I may be just a sheep, but I trust my shepherd. I live securely because he is my shepherd. So, 
This psalm sounds peaceful and, and, and restful when you start it. The, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Ah, I just want to take it easy. I want to have a nap right now. <laughs> it just sounds like, ah, I've read that before in my own you know, time of prayer and just felt like, Oh, that's peaceful. Green pastures, still waters or quiet waters. You know, I've been in places like that. You hike into the mountains and, oh, a meadow with, you know, some wild flowers and a, a, a brook, you know, going down and the water's crystal clear and it's cold and it's refreshing. And if it wasn't for that ever encroaching fear of bears, I would, you know, in this life, I'd be so at rest. But, you know, I'm, I'm reading that, you know, green pastures, it's peaceful, it's restful. And yet, in keeping with our theme we started last week, troubles and trusting the Lord, or troubles and trusting in God. What did we use? What, what did we use? Was it trusting in God or trusting God? Uh, is it too uh, we don't have to go back there, never mind. Uh, I don't want to mess anything up. Troubles and trusting God. It doesn't mention it right there, but he's saying, I'm trusting the shepherd. There will be troubles out there. There are challenges. There, there, just like I asked last week, who here has ever had any troubles? Of course, every hand goes up. Who's having troubles right now? Almost every hand goes up. And we can say with absolute faith, if you're not having troubles today, you will be tomorrow. Like they just are constant in this life. Expect them, they're going to come. So here's David writing, he's identifying with his sheep now. I can, I can picture David from his years of experience thinking, you know, my sheep, there they were grazing, and I sat partway up the hill watching them, and I had this vantage point where I could see if there was any danger coming to them. And I'm watching over, and now he's identifying with the sheep, thinking, I'm the one that's out on the meadow, and the Lord is the one watching over me. Man, I'm secure. I've got security because of that. Now, with this thing, how does he say this? The Lord is my shepherd. I've got a little exercise I go through sometimes with um, Scripture, where you take a passage and you can read it, of course, different ways. You read that first line, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. How about the Lord is my shepherd? It's like each time you do that, it emphasizes the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Every time you do that, and I think, of course, in this context, all of the above. It's all of those things. But there's an emphasis that comes, the Lord is my shepherd. David is thinking, I'm the shepherd of these sheep, but the Lord is my shepherd. He's the one watching over me. And you read that, so here he is. From this starting point, David is saying, everything is going to be okay. I know I'm going to have troubles. I have them. I know I'll have more. I'll have challenges. In fact, we won't take too long on this, but this psalm, many believe that he penned this when he was fleeing from Jerusalem when his own son Absalom was had raised up an army and was coming to take over and dethrone his dad which in those days 
didn't usually mean like in our election, I'm in, you're out, go have a nice life. No, it meant I'm in, you're done. You're really finished. And they were fleeing. Many believe he was writing this at that time, which is kind of astounding that he's picturing in the midst of a flight for his life from a clear and present danger, he's saying, the Lord is my shepherd. In the midst of his trouble, he's already saying, I'm going to be okay. However this plays out, I'm trusting the care of my shepherd. Well, I'll tell you, in my own times with Jesus over the last couple weeks, thinking about that phrase, and just so you know, I, I realize I'm taking a long time. We won't get through this today. We'll finish it next week. Um, or maybe mid-November or something. I don't know how long it's going to take. If we, But I have been just taking the time to say, am I secure like David? I'm not. Am I, why am I not? What am I not seeing that David saw about the Lord where he trusted him that way? I know that God looks at each one of his children as one of his favorites. And so it's easy for me to think, ah, but David, you know, man after God's own heart. David was special. He was raised up to be king, you know, all of the, wrote, you know, all these songs that are in the Bible. God really loved David. Each of the uh, succeeding generations of kings in Israel, he says things like, no, he didn't do right like his father David. Even when you're talking about, you know, great, 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 great grandkids or something, it says he did not do right like his father David. But I'm looking and saying, God, I know that you're not, I know that you care about me. I know it at least this much. But what did David see? I want to know that kind of security, that kind of trust, that you're my shepherd, that I'm safe, that I'm in the midst of some upheaval and some challenges. But I'm coming here to be with you, and I want David's faith confession of Lord's my shepherd. I'm lacking nothing. I'm lacking nothing. I have you. I'm secure. I'm reliant on you. Not just because you're able, but because you're willing and caring to. This week, when you pray, when you seek God, when you think about God, I want you to put that into the equation that he isn't just able, but he actually cares. He, like, it's not hype talk. He actually really looks at you and thinks, Karen, you are so special to me, so dear to me. The same love that I have for David, where I would come and cover him over as his shepherd, I have that same care for you. It's not like, well, David was, you know, this stellar guy in the Bible, and he was. And, you know, ah, God, no, I'm, I'm being humble. You couldn't possibly think of me that way. Yes, he could. Why? Because he didn't love David that way because David was so great. That love made him great. David even says it in Psalm 18. Your gentleness has made me great. It's you that makes me great. 
It's his love for me that turns me around and makes me, oh man, I see the value that I have before you. And that's, it's you. It's, he didn't ever love you because you were so incredible, except that he made you in his image, which is incredible. But it wasn't that he looked and said, oh, Karen has really deserved and earned my great love. Nope. He loves us because he's perfect. He loves us because he's perfect and he made us in his image. So then he pours out his love and it's like, wow, you really are valuable and will be. So he's, he continues to pour that out. He continues to do that. I want to know that. I want to live in that zone. Amen. Anybody else? You want to live in that zone of God? God gives value to my life. First in creating me in his image. And then secondly, in choosing. In saying, I love you. I, I've revealed my son to you. My son died for you. Okay. Thank you. And then I receive that love and things change. I want to live in that zone that David was in where it was. Uh, and actually, David would, lo- would have loved to have lived in the zone we're in where the Holy Spirit actually indwells us. He never had that happening like us. He, hadn't, he was before that. So here we are. The great shepherd, the good shepherd, lays down his life for us. He loves us. He cares about us. He's there. Everything else is going to fall into place. Are there troubles? Yes. Can we expect more? Yes. But we have him. He loves us. There may be troubles. There may be scarcity. There may be this. There may be that. But this is in place. The Lord is my shepherd. Okay, let's look at a couple of these verses before we wrap up today. The simple statement of reality, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He is my trustworthy guardian and provider. He's going to see to it that I lack nothing. Oh, wait, but I go through seasons of lack. Just keep trusting him. He, he, we will not come out on the end saying, God cheated me. He said something and he didn't live up to his word. It may be for a season, it seems like, wait a minute, I'm doing without, God. You said I would lack nothing. You might lack in the short term, but he's doing something greater. He sees a big picture, we see a small one. This is a great um, realization. The Lord occupies this elevated place in my life that allows me to confidently expect all my needs to be met. He keeps coming through. You know, when you're, has anybody here ever been short of money? (laughs) Yeah, right. How about today you are? Yeah, probably some, for sure. And we've been through it before. And he comes through in ways, sometimes, oftentimes, that we didn't see. I've had a need at times, and I've thought, no, I can't see how God can meet that need. Here are my options here are the, the avenues through which that can come. And God has other ones. And he meets the need. He does it in a way that I didn't see. So after years of trusting him, I begin to expect, okay, I shouldn't even waste my time trying to think all the ways that he might do it because he's probably going to bring the provision from some other direction that I didn't anticipate and couldn't have. The shepherd cares. He does it and he wants to meet the needs. He does meet the needs of his sheep. He wants to, he wants us to be secure 
in his care and in his provision. He wants us to be. The Hebrew word translated trust is also translated in many places as secure. That's what that's how it comes out. He wants us to be secure in him. It's something God desires us to have and be in him. How how many parents are here? How many people are parents? Do you want your kids to be insecure? Man, no. Of course not. You don't want them to be insecure. God is better than us. He does not want his kids being insecure about him. He wants to. He wants us to trust him. He wants us to depend on him. Now, verse 2 says, uh, okay, as my shepherd, he supplies. And he, he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, this is following up on that word. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. For sheep, what do green pastures represent? Food. And like an abundance. Green pastures. It's like I'm amazed in the Okanagan when we go there sometimes in the summer and you see cows grazing. Everything looks the color of this floor. It's parched. It's dry. I don't know what they're getting out of it, but I, I am quite certain that... When sheep see green pastures, it's like, woohoo, you know, they start salivating, you know. It's like, we're going to eat. We're going to eat well today. There's nourishment there. So green pastures represent that. And then interesting that he says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. What do you think that represents? They're, yeah, they're, and they're going to eat till they're full. We ate and then, oh, I'm stuffed. Laying down in green pastures in a beautiful place. They're going to eat and be satisfied. It's a picture of being well fed and well protected sheep. Satisfied with enough to eat and safe under the shepherd's care and watchful eye. I can rest without anxiety. I can rest anxiety free. And he takes me where there are quiet, clean, refreshing, life restoring, life giving waters. That's what that means. Like I was saying, in the mountains, you go up and here's a creek coming down and, you know, it's crystal clear and it hasn't, you know, the water is, is fresh and it tastes great. Although, let me just, this is just an aside. There are microbes and things in, <laughs> in mountain streams that our systems aren't totally used to. <laughs> and we'll leave it at that and um, use your imagination. It's not always great. It sure tastes great and it's refreshing. And if your life depended on it, lots. <laughs> but anyway, okay. Sorry to take your heads there. Um, but quiet waters—they're life-giving, restoring waters. It doesn't have that effect on these sheep. They're—they're they're going there and they're enjoying it. They eat well. They drink well. It's fresh. Their life is restored. Green pastures represent food. And what does food represent? Life. Life. We're going to keep going. Okay? He restores my soul. Our soul is important because it's our personality. It's our person. It's our mind and emotions. It's who we are. It's like, you know, God saves souls. He saves individual, unique, individual persons. That's who it is. He says, 
He restores my soul. And we're going to just cover this little bit and I'm going to leave it here. In Psalm uh, 25, if you jump ahead a couple of chapters in the book of Psalms, David says, To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. This is a, this is a cool picture. He's, he's saying, to you, I lift up. When, when David is saying, I lift up, it means it's an act of worship. I'm lifting up my person, my personhood, my personality, my being, who I am. I'm lifting it up to you in worship. That's a very New Testament concept, a living sacrifice. I'm lifting it up. When they would lift up a sacrifice, you know, a sin offering or something in the temple, and they would lift it up. It would be like we're presenting it. Well, here's David saying, to you, Lord, I lift up my soul. And then he says, oh, my God, I trust in you. It's like he's offering up who he is as a sacrifice to the Lord, as an offering of worship. And also... I lift up my soul. He's entrusting his soul to the Lord. It's like I'm giving it to you as a sacrifice and I'm entrusting who I am to you. Why? Because God can take who we are and he can make us who we ought to be. That whole thing of him loving us even before we've turned to him He takes who we are and he restores our soul. The word restore means to bring back, Mm -hmm. to return something to what it should be. I, I think that's an outstanding concept. When you hear of somebody, oh, they've done it. There are, there's a television show about, uh, it's called something like Restoration Garage. And the guy takes old cars and, you know, and I just, you know, and I can have a tendency to see cars, these old classic cars as idols. So I don't watch it that much, but I, I love them. And somebody will take this thing that even some of these cars that I grew up in the 60s that were just, eh, I wouldn't have thought anything of it. When I see one restored, it's like, oh man, that's beautiful. One, because it reminds me of, you know, vehicles that were the norm in our day, and they're very different than they were. But he restores, he takes it, he takes something that was one way, and he restores it to something, what it was, and better than we ever could have seen it being. He, the Lord, restores damaged, wounded, hardened, pained, sin-infected, closed, shut-down souls. He takes those things and he restores them. To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. He restores my soul. I'm fed. I'm refreshed. I'm at rest. I'm secure. He restores my soul. He brings back life. He gave me something to eat. Over the last many years... uh, Rose has often refinished furniture. And she has been able, um, just like God, (laughs) to see potential in some things that I would have looked at and said, what a piece of junk. And I'll see her pull into the driveway, unloading something out out of the trunk, 
and trying to sneak it into the garage <laughs> so I don't see it. And the odd time, it's like I see Nigel going out there. She didn't come and ask me for help because she's trying to sneak it in. So she gets Nigel to do it. But she, sometimes she brings something home, and the restoration it needs is pretty small. You know, a little bit of cleanup, maybe a little bit of paint or something like this, and ready to go. Other times, she brings something home that literally I have thought, what a piece of junk. And it requires, you know, being kind of pulled apart and glued and maybe parts of it, you know, kind of need some, some screws to hold it together and sanding it and doing a lot of stuff. And, it's, you know, that kind of thing. It requires a lot more work. And then at the end of the project, it's like, honey, I never doubted you. That is... <laughs> <laughs> absolutely beautiful, just like we knew it could be, <laughs> you know. She sees something, and God's looking, and we actually look at our own lives. How many in here have a tendency to sort of beat yourself up about some of what you are at times? Sure, most of us. We look, and we know what our weaknesses are, our foibles, our quirks, our you know, damaged areas, that kind of thing. We know some of that about ourselves, so we can kind of disqualify ourselves. And God's looking and he's saying, no, no, I see something. And I'm going to restore it. I'm going to restore you to what I intended you to be, to what you should have been. And life's life takes us along and we get damaged. I am amazed at times what God has done with somebody, and I'll look after somebody has come to Christ, and I, I look, and a couple of years later, I'm thinking, right. I have forgotten who that person was when I first met them. And it astounds me that that person is living the way they're living and doing what they're doing, and that they think the way they think, and they love the way they love, and they, you know worship the way they worship after who they were. And God has done a restoration project, just like on some of those furniture pieces. And then sometimes, you know, we pulled something from the side of the road. Rose has done that restoration and then sold it for a lot of money. It's like it's valuable now. Whereas it was before that, i throw it away. And in the world, that's exactly what a lot of people are like. Ah, they're discards. You know, that expression, kick them to the curb kind of thing? Well, some of this furniture, you know, it's thrown on the curb. It's there. If you want that piece of junk, please take it so that I don't have to take it to the dump. And there's a lot of people tossed in the dump heap, left beside the road, worth nothing. God gets a hold of them. Oh, well, let me do a little of this. Let me do a little of that. Right. few things. Before you know it, it's like, oh, you know, others would look and say, wow, that's valuable. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He restores it. Thank God for the thing that only he can do. Sure, we can work on ourselves, self-help. We have to cooperate with what he's doing. But he restores. I'm going to leave it at that and we're going to pick up on this next week. God, in this room today, uh, where there are people who might 
think, man, I want God to restore me. I'm in need of restoration. Because I know I've been damaged. I know I've been wounded or hurt. I'm in pain, whether physical, emotional, uh, relational. There's stuff that I just don't even like to think about a certain part of my life because it just seems like it's damaged. And I'm just hoping everything else will be good enough that I don't ever have to address it. God, I'm thankful that you're the one who restores our soul. You provide for us, you feed us, you refresh us, you make us secure. I pray that even today in this room, you'd reach in and where there's stuff that's been uh, sort of avoided because it's an area of damage, an area of wounding or hurt, that you'd begin a restoration work. That you'd continue the restoration work you're doing. Where there's been a sense of, I, I give up because this just doesn't seem to be getting any better. God, would you pour out your spirit even now in this place and do some of that restoration work. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Do that restoration work. That soul-restoring work. Thank you, God. If you need that, I'm not going to make anybody come to the front or expose anybody or anything. But if you need that, or if you feel God is even doing it right now, I want you to just raise your hand for just a second. If God is doing some of that right now, if you need something from him, you say, God, I want that restoring work. Yeah. Yeah. Just acknowledge, God, I'm here. I want you to do it in me. I need it. Thank you. God, meet people where their faith is. Where they say, yes, I need some of that. Lord, would you move in? You know what it is. If, even if nobody else knows, no other person knows, you know. And I ask you for it. For those maybe that are too timid to even raise their hand, God, for fear of um, maybe being found out or something, Lord, we know that you don't put people to shame for acknowledging weakness or for acknowledging wounding or anything like that. But again, you move in and restore and heal. Would you do it today, God? By your Holy Spirit. I pray you do it all through this week, Lord, that you'd um, reinforce this word about you being our shepherd, carefully watching over us, carefully providing for us, feeding us, leading us, restoring us. God, would you do that with the people of Compass today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.